what was Robert Hansen's motivation for spying uh, for the Russians while he was at the FBI. And I think the number one motivation was ego. Um, Robert Hansen did not feel like his uh, intelligence and capabilities were appreciated at the FBI, and he bumped up against a level beyond which they were not promoting him. And uh, once he got involved with the Russians, um, they played the very well, made him feel very important. And I think that he um, he felt like um, he was really involved in something daring and exciting and that made him feel much more important or that made him feel the importance he wished he had had at the FBI. So that's one piece of the motivation. The other's money. Um, it was not ideology. In fact, he did his job at the FBI very well at the same time he was spying for the Russians. Um, he was not like a secret communist or, or anything like that. So, and, and, Nor was he compromised into it. Um, if you get to the acronym of MICE, you know, money and ideology and compromise and ego, that's what each of the letters stand for when you're thinking about a spy. He got about $1.8 million out of it um, in terms of uh, money the Russians left for him in a park uh, at a certain spot where he would leave them documents in a hefty garbage bag and then uh, they would signal each other in various ways and they never knew his identity the entire time he was a spy. Is that because he had spycraft uh, knowledge? Yes, yes. Um, he was in the counterterrorism unit, I mean the counterintelligence unit at the FBI. So he knew all about spycraft. And one of the ways to get caught most easily is if the folks you're spying for know your name and know who you are. And he went under the alias of Ramon Garcia the entire time. And he told them, if I ever see that you're trying to watch me in any way or identify who I am, we're finished. I'm not going to do this anymore. And the Russians feel very nervous taking in someone as a, as a spy who volunteers. Well, Hansen volunteered by throwing some classified documents over the gate of an FBI office uh, one time. And he proved he was bona fide by giving the Russians the names of three officials who were in the United States whose job was to spy for Russia, but who were secretly working for the U.S. and getting information about Russia for the FBI. And so Hansen gave up the names and identities of these three people uh, to the Russians. And under false pretenses, they were called back to Moscow and they were all executed. So he had blood on his hands and the Russians had someone who they trusted as a spy as a result of what he gave them. Now, he must have known what he was getting into. I mean, that he would get people killed by giving them their names. I mean, he knew the uh, the wages of that business. Correct. So where does his ethics lie there? What happened to it? any ethical? Was the person totally without ethics? 
he was a regular church-going man. In fact, he went just about every day uh, to church. Uh, and, um, you know, we're, we're looking at daily mass, uh, weekly confession, and nightly betrayal. And uh, I think he cleared his conscious, conscience out through two things. Number one, um, number one was uh, going to confession very regularly, and the second one was uh, he was a compartmentalizer. And while he went to church and took his family there, I think he took different parts of what he was doing, the FBI job, the spy job, his family life, his religious life, and he had the capability to have these in different parts of his mind, and uh, that's what happened. I mean, he was a church-going, uh, believing Catholic, and a member of Opus Dei, which is a sort of secretive organization that is part of the Catholic Church, sort of, not formally part of the Catholic Church, but is a group that uh, was formed. I can't under- help, though, but think of that commandment that says thou shalt not kill is pretty clear you're not supposed to kill people if you're a believing catholic i think that he was very interested in proving to the russians that he was the real deal and getting them over what he knew was their reluctance to take somebody who was a walk-in because the russians would fear they were getting set up so for him that was part of the currency of exchange to get to the place he wanted to be. Right. And where was that? Where did he want to be? What was it that the FBI was denying him that he wanted so bad? The FBI was denying him the validation uh, for his intelligence and capabilities, uh, he believed. And he believed he wasn't promoted high enough. He felt he was a lot smarter and better than many people who were in higher ranking positions than he was. And it really bothered him a lot. Every one of us. That's the number one place where ego comes in because the guy was working in counterintelligence and, you know, the entire time he was spying, he did his job at the FBI extremely well also. (laughs) And, and he just didn't feel like he was being recognized. And, uh, so, uh, you're right that a lot of people don't feel like they're being recognized and it doesn't mean they become spies, but you got to <laughs> remember one thing. Yeah. He had access to all kinds of documents that were classified and he had access, um, to information that other people don't have at their fingertips. And he spent his days in counterintelligence providing the FBI with information that had to do with spies and spycraft and all the rest. So he lived in that world already. Right. What type of world was that? Well, a very, very uh, secret one. You know, he managed to, I mean, this is something that's like very cloak and dagger. They would leave, uh, they would leave things around Washington, D.C., uh, including thumbtacks and telephone poles um, to signal one another um, when they wanted, when he wanted to do a dead drop of documents in a hefty garbage bag and when they were going to pay him, the Russians, by dropping it in the same place in a park near his house. 
um, it was it had all the excitement and intrigue of a James Bond thriller, and it made hit, and he got a thrill out of it. In addition to the money, he got a real thrill out of it. And uh, you have to remember, the Russians are fantastic spies. Um, and, or, you know, a country that's built on uh, some of the principles that are there in Russia breeds great spies. And they had a great handler, a person who mostly communicated with him, who knew how to play on his ego and was very, very skilled and had a lot of expertise. And so, you know, they they knew. And, you know, I, I think also um, in that in that clandestine uh, secret world that they moved in, um, it came very naturally to him. He blended in. Um, it, he was the last person anyone would have ever suspected would be a spy. People were blown away. Three people he drove to work with every day were shocked. Um, he just didn't seem like that person in any way. And yeah. so, you know, people were shocked. I mean, look, he was a church-going man. Every Sunday morning, Hanson and his family sat up front on the left side of the church out in Great Falls, Virginia. Right across on the other side up front was FBI Director Louis Free and his family. So... He and Louis Free were right across from each other in church every Sunday. And, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty remarkable right. uh, when you stop and think about it. A couple. Of, I want to ask, uh, I have just two areas of question. The first one is, how was he caught? The way that he was caught is that the United States... Um, had a spy in Russia and that individual went to the place where the Hansen documents were stored and uh, brought those documents out of Russia and delivered them uh, to the FBI. They were delivered to the FBI in a hefty garbage bag and the FBI sent that garbage bag to a lab in West Virginia that they have to be examined. Uh, and they found fingerprints on it. And those fingerprints matched up to Robert Hansen. So as good as he was as a spy to get away with this for 20 years, the one thing he forgot was to wear gloves. A lot of people say that this proved that the FBI was totally incompetent. I think there's things the FBI uh, doesn't do well, but you have to remember that when they do their job well, people don't hear about it most of the time. Part of the reason for that is that they don't really want trials when they when they catch people because they don't want intelligence secrets and other things to be disclosed publicly. So what you end up hearing about the most is when they screw up. Having said that, they were too lax in many ways uh, in their procedures. In the Hansen case, 
he was Robert Hampton never took a single polygraph test. They had no program then at the FBI uh, for, you know, we're talking about 1981, 2001. They had no program where every single person was regularly, um, was regular, regular, regularly, pardon me, um, you know, checked to see if they would pass a polygraph. They, you know, Hanson literally hand-carried classified documents out of the FBI. They had no, they had no protocol in place to make sure that when people left each day, they were not taking, you know, things with them that, that belonged to the Bureau and should never leave the building. So, um, yes, they, um, uh, had vast improvements that they needed to make to call them as a whole incompetent is not something that I would say at all. Um, I covered terrorism for the Washington Post, and I can tell you that there were an enormous number of times that the FBI prevented all kinds of things from happening in the United States during that period, and the public never hears about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned well, about them through my job at the Washington Post. Right. They don't even get articles about them because they uh, you might not know the whole story enough to write an article about it. That's right. Uh, yeah. I, I've been there. Been there, been there myself. Not quite a, at the same level, but definitely. In my reporting for the Washington Post, one thing I told the FBI director and one thing I told the attorney general was that I would never report something that would compromise an ongoing operation if I learned about it. Uh, and I would never publish something that truly put someone's life in jeopardy. Right. And so I had a very good dialogue with senior people. You're a patriotic American, like I hope all of us are. The Antifa protesters who fight with the police are doing it, whether they know it or not, out of a sense of patriotism. They would never do this kind of thing. How would this guy lose his desire to, you know, his patriotic desire that, that so many people live by? Robert Hansen would tell you that he's a patriotic American. He would have said that before he died. Uh, this was not about ideology. It was about ego and money. It, it, wow. And, I understand what you're saying. It's just difficult to understand it, to feel it, because it seems so contradictory. It, it, you can say that. Just imagine how his wife, his kids, and their extended family felt. They knew nothing about this. Imagine knowing nothing about this and waking up one day to find out that your husband, your father, your sibling, your uncle is the most damaging spy in American history, and you had no clue about that. How many people died because of him, do you think? Three. Three. I thought it was more. Three that I'm I'm aware of. uh Uh-huh. I just heard rumors that it was a lot more than that. The Russians are very efficient. (laughs) Three that I'm aware of when he gave up their identities. Uh, And do you think there's any other Robert Hansons at work buried in the U.S.? I mean, we had Edward Snowden, a man I admire, actually. Uh, At least he believed in what he was doing. He reminds me more of those army intelligence guys during the Vietnam War who had enough of it and just started telling people what was going on. Are there any other people? putting on thumb drives, putting top secret information on their little thumb drives and smiling past the security guards on the way out? 
I can't tell you I know exactly how and what they're doing or where they're doing it, but buying is something that has been around for thousands of years, not hundreds, thousands. And so right now in the United States, there are more spies than there have ever been in history. Now you're asking me a different question. Not are there spies from other countries, but are there moles? That is people who work for the FBI or CIA or National Security Agency, Pentagon, who are, you know, feeding information to, to foreign governments. And it's hard for me to believe that there are no people who are doing that. And it's also uh, very hard for me to believe that there are any people doing it right now to the extent that Robert Hansen did. And I say that because uh, to be the most damaging spy in American history is, is something that is hard to achieve, even, right. even yeah. as a traitor. He had and, to be good to do and, that. What kind of? How come they locked him up in? Uh, you know, he spent the last twenty plus years, last years of his life, in uh, decades of his life in in Florence, Colorado. I know about that place. That's horrible. That's like twenty three hours a day locked down for twenty years. How can you survive that? Well, um, yeah, it was a this. It was so the things he gave up were so damaging. I mean, he that the choice was the death penalty or life in solitary confinement. And he chose life in solitary confinement. By the way, in that prison, in that same yeah. prison in Colorado where yeah. Hanson was, yeah. the Unabomber is there, the Ted Kaczynski, the, uh, uh, one of the people who was directly involved in the 9-11 attack and was part of Al-Qaeda, is in that prison. The, uh, the shoe bomber is in that prison. The prison where Hansen was found dead also has the Unabomber um, and the uh, sneaker bomber um, and, uh, you know, one of the one of the people from Al Qaeda who was caught, who was involved in in nine eleven, um, they've got quite a collection, a rogues gallery, if you will, of um, mm -hmm. criminals. Right. We've seen so much about the uh, Trump administration and the FBI, and where the Trump administration is claiming there's an, uh, there's a, uh, a secret government within the FBI that was out to get him. Does it link into any of this? What happened then with what's happening now in your mind? I don't know of anything that links the two at all. Yeah. Two radically different situations. Yeah. Okay. Anything you'd like to add? The Bureau and the Mole, the book that I wrote, is a combustible blend of espionage, religion, and sex. I've never come across anything like it in my more than 20 years as a reporter at the Washington Post. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised 
if I never come across anything else uh, that is as exotic and uh, as uh, devious and as complex as this. I mean, imagine selling the continuity of government plan to the Russians. That's how the president, the Supreme Court, and the Congress were going to operate in secret and where in the event of a nuclear attack. The Russians had that information from Hansen. The United States spent a billion dollars or something like that putting a secret tunnel underground into the Russian embassy so that the United States could eavesdrop. Hansen delivered that to the Russians. And the Russians used it then, once they knew about it, to feed misinformation and disinformation to the United States. Uh, the list goes on and on. In fact, in the back of the book, you will find uh, something called the Betrayals of the Spy. List of, it's quite a list of items um, which he gave up. And uh, It's hard to believe. I have to say that I, I have to say that um, to think about this on the most personal of levels, um, I can't imagine what it would be like to wake up one day in a family situation and discover that someone you never suspected of anything was the most damaging spy in American history. 